Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and the pizza-loving puff to my left is Carly. I personally like a stuffed crust puff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stuffed crust is the bomb. It is. But let's bake our way into the Phoenix flashback. Bake it. Yep. Yep. Can it be like marijuana bake? Because <laughs> that would make for an interesting episode. But it's legal now. Here it is. Yes. It is in Ohio. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 6, Draco's Detour, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Harry, Ron, and Hermione ventured to Diagon Alley with the rest of the Weasleys. In a Scooby-Doo-esque moment, they decide to split the party, sending Hagrid and the Golden Trio off to buy robes. Once in the shop, they happen upon Nazi Von Douchebag II and Mrs. Von Douchebag. They argue in the shop, which leaves poor Madame Malkin in the middle of a bunch of nonsense that she doesn't need to deal with. Draco and his mother vacate the shop and the Golden Trio buy their items. They eventually make their way to the only shop unaffected by the scariness that has taken over Diagon Alley, Weasley Wizard Wheezes. They explore much of what Fred and George have to offer, and Harry gets an investor's tour. But... If you're watching the movie, absolutely none of this happened. Surprise. Surprise, surprise. That's not how it happened in the movie. Never. During episode 204, Move the Plot Forward, our Potter pondering was, are you Team Molly or Team Ron about the you-know-poo poster? You-know-pooster. I was going to say that. <laughs> Hey Carly, hey Ellen, it's Jackson here with my Potter Pondering. I am Team Ron, all the way on the You Know Poo. <laughs> oh my god, it's just funny, it's hilarious, it rhymes, it's fucking brilliant. It is just gold. I'm sorry, but I'm Team Ron. They will not be murdered in their beds, they are just brilliant fellas. They're amazing. Hi, this is Jessica calling in my Ponder Pondering for this week. Now, I can agree with Molly that they've definitely taken a risk of retaliation by taunting the darkest, most vile wizard of all time. But I do think Fred and George have taken the proper precautions of protecting their store and their apartment and everything. But also, it's not like Voldemort is just having a stroll through Diagon Alley. And the Death Eaters wouldn't be stupid enough to tell him, because why wouldn't they risk him shooting the messenger? Especially because how do you tell him with a straight face? And really, I think the only Death Eater who would be offended on Voldemort's behalf, that would take it personally and would seek to hurt the twins because of it, would be Bellatrix. And she's also not just visiting Diagon Alley. And Narcissa and Draco sure ain't gonna say anything even if they did see it. So yeah, I can understand Mama Bear Molly being worried for them. But realistically, I think the twins are right. No one is gonna go after them based on the poster. They're more in danger just for knowing Harry Potter than literally anything else. Okay, that's it. All right, bye. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, what is the name of the witch that works for Fred and George? The witch's name is Verity. Right you are. Congratulations goes to Kalista White Wolf. Yay! She got the last win of 2023. Could this be the start of a new streak for 2024? You never know. For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 6, Draco's Detour, and the somewhat corresponding film scenes chapter six draco's detour part two fred takes harry past a stand of card and rope tricks which he happily points out as muggle magic tricks for freaks like his dad who love muggle stuff they find george who also shakes harry's hand and joins them on the tour leading him to the back where they are making the real money he warns a kid not to pocket anything then moves a curtain aside to a darker, less crowded room. The packaging is more subdued, and Fred and George explain that they ended up developing a more serious line because of the number of people, even at the ministry, 
who can't do a decent shield charm. It started out as a joke with shield hats so people could challenge their mates to a duel and watch their faces as the jinxes just bounce off, but the ministry ordered 500 for their support staff. They expanded into shield cloaks and gloves and then further into a whole line of defense against the dark arts. They show Harry the instant darkness powder they are importing from Peru and the decoy detonators, which are little horn-looking objects that will scurry off and make a loud noise out of sight to create a diversion. Harry calls them handy, and George catches a couple to toss to him. A young blonde witch, also wearing magenta robes, pokes her head around the curtain to let Mr. Weasley and Mr. Weasley know that there is a customer out there looking for a joke cauldron. George tells Verity he's coming, but before leaving, he tells Harry to help himself to anything he wants, free of charge. Harry tries to argue, but they tell him his money is no good there since he gave them their startup loan. All they ask for is him to tell people where he got it if they ask. Fred then leads Harry back to the main part of the shop where they find Hermione and Ginny still looking at the daydream charms. He asks if they have found their special Wonder Witch products yet, then leads them to an array of violently pink products that a cluster of girls are giggling over. Fred calls them the best range of love potions, prompting Ginny to ask if they work. Fred begins to explain that they will work for up to 24 hours, depending on the weight of the boy, and George joins them to finish the thought, saying, and the attractiveness of the girl. He also tells Ginny that they aren't selling them to their sister, not when she already has about five boys on the go. Ginny tells them that whatever they heard from Ron is a big fat lie, then picks up a small pink pot and asks what it is. Fred tells her it is a 10 second pimple vanisher, but also tells her not to change the subject and ask if she is currently going out with a boy called Dean Thomas. Ginny confirms that she is and points out that he is definitely one boy, not five. She then points to an assortment of pink and purple balls of fluff and asks what they are. George calls them pygmy puffs, saying they are miniature puffskins that they can't breed fast enough, but then also asks about Michael Corner. Ginny explains that she dumped him because he was a bad loser. She calls the pygmy puffs really cute, which Fred concedes before accusing her of going through boyfriends a bit fast. Ginny glares at him with her hands on her hips and tells them that it's none of their business. As Ron walks up with an armful of merchandise, she also angrily tells him not to tell tales about her to the twins. Fred eyes the product in Ron's arms and tells him to cough up three galleons, nine sickles, and a canut. Ron tries to argue that he's their brother, and they offer to knock off the canut. When Ron says he hasn't got three galleons and nine sickles, they tell him to put it all back on the right shelves. Instead, Ron drops several boxes, swears, and makes a rude hand gesture that is unfortunately witnessed by their mum. She threatens to jinx his fingers together if she sees him do that again, but is distracted when Jenny asks if she can have a pygmy puff. When Mrs. Weasley moves aside to look at the pygmy puffs, Harry, Ron, and Hermione have an unimpeded view out the window, where they see Draco Malfoy hurrying up the street alone. As they all wonder where he's going and where his mum went, Harry looks around to make sure everyone is distracted and pulls his invisibility cloak out of his bag. He tells Ron and Hermione to hurry under it, and though Hermione hesitates, she joins him and Ron and the three of them squeeze out the door and head in the direction that Malfoy vanished. Hermione spots him turning left into Nocturne Alley, and they speed up to follow him onto the side street devoted to the dark arts, which looks completely deserted as no one wants to be seen buying dark artifacts. They see him in Borgen and Burke's, just visible beyond a large black cabinet that Harry had once hidden in to avoid Malfoy and his father. Malfoy appears to be talking animatedly, and Mr. Borgen's expression shows mingled resentment and fear. Hermione wishes they could hear what he is saying, and Ron realizes that he's still holding some Wheezes products, including extendable ears. He feeds the strings under the door, and they can hear Malfoy asking Borgen if he knows how to fix it. 
Borgen thinks it is possible and asks him to bring it into the shop so he can see it. Malfoy insists it has to stay put and that he needs to just tell him how to do it. Borgen nervously says that he can't guarantee anything without seeing it, and Malfoy moves towards Borgen, saying perhaps this will make you more confident. Because of the cabinet, the trio can't see Malfoy, but they still can see Borgen, who looks very frightened. Malfoy tells him if he tells anyone, Fenrir Greyback will be dropping in from time to time to make sure he's giving the problem his full attention. Malfoy then says he better be off and reminds Borgen to keep that one safe since he'll need it. Borgen offers him to take it now, but Malfoy calls him a stupid little man, asking how he would look carrying it down the street. He tells him not to sell it and to not say a word to anyone, including his mother. Borgen bows and agrees, and Malfoy stalks out of the store and past the invisible trio. Ron wonders what that was about, and as he and Harry begin discussing what they heard and saw, Hermione tells them to stay there. She ducks out the cloak and makes her way into the store, greeting Mr. Borgen and asking if a necklace is for sale. He says it is if she has one and a half thousand galleons. Hermione admits she doesn't have that much, and then asks about a skull. When he says it's 16 galleons, she questions that it isn't being kept for anyone. As Borgen squints at her, appearing to know exactly what she's up to, she decides to throw caution to the wind. She tells Borgen that Draco Malfoy is a friend of hers, and she wants to get him a birthday present, but wants to avoid getting him the same thing if he's already, if he's already reserved something. Borgen immediately tells her to get out, and Hermione hurries to the door with him right on her heels. He slams the door behind her and puts up a closed sign. Ron throws the cloak back over Hermione, telling her it was worth a try, but she was a bit obvious. Hermione snaps at him to show her how it is done next time, and the two bicker the entire way back to Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. They have to stop and dart around a very anxious Mrs. Weasley and Hagrid, who seem to have noticed their absence. Once back in the shop, Harry removes the cloak and hides it in his bag before joining the other two, insisting to Mrs. Weasley that they were in the back room all along and she must not have looked properly. The movie scene opens outside the Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, a purple brick building with orange windows, the largest of which has a smiling, magically mechanical redhead sticking out of the top, along with an arm sticking out of the side. The camera zooms in as it shows the hand is holding a hat that it raises and lowers to cover a rabbit, sitting atop the head, causing it to disappear. It continues to zoom in through the window behind the head and into the upstairs of the shop as fireworks fizzle around. It cuts to the twins standing on a staircase wearing suits and announcing to the masses to step up as they list off their products and dodge various things whizzing around the store. The camera then shows a close-up of a boy chewing something and zooms out as the twins approach him and pass him a cauldron saying, Into the cauldron, handsome! Ron is standing in the middle of the shop, watching as a boy shakes a girl's hand and causes her hair to stand on end and crackle with electricity. As he takes it all in, the camera passes over a mechanical Dolores Umbridge riding a unicycle on a tightrope, insisting that she will have order a boy wearing shoes that allow him to walk up a wall, and a pile of silvery, bluish-black powder. Harry walks up to it and reads, Peruvian Instant Darkness Powder. The twins tell him it's handy if you need to make a quick getaway and pick up a piece and toss it to Harry. He catches it, and the twins move on to say hello to Hermione and Ginny, who are looking at a pink, flowery display of love potions. Fred and George tell the girls that the potions really do work, and one of the twins comments to his sister that they hear she's doing just fine on her own. Jenny asks what they mean by that, and the twin brings up the fact that she is currently dating Dean Thomas. She insists that it's none of their business and walks away, leaving Hermione by the love potions. Hermione looks around and makes eye contact with a blonde boy who smiles at her knowingly. Hermione awkwardly puts the love potion down and the camera cuts to the twins walking up the stairs as Ron follows them and asks how much for something. In unison, the twins tell him it's five galleons. 
Ron asks how much for him, and they say again, five galleons. When Ron reminds him that he's their brother, they tell him ten galleons and turn to continue up the stairs. Ron dejectedly walks down the stairs where Harry and Hermione are waiting for him, saying, come on, let's go. As the three walk through the shop, they pass a curly-haired girl who says hi to Ron. He turns and looks at her, giving her a little hi in response, before turning back to his friends and following them out to the street. As they walk down the darkened road, Hermione asks how Fred and George are doing it, since half the alleys closed down. Ron says Fred reckons people need a laugh these days, and Harry agrees. They stop in front of Ollivander's, seeing the windows blown out, and decide to go in and look around. Ron looks out the window and calls Harry's name, asking if it's just him or if it looks like Draco and Mummy look like two people who don't want to be followed. The camera shows Draco and Narcissa through the broken window as they look around to see if anyone is watching. They make their way down another alley. It cuts to Harry, Ron, and Hermione following them down the same alley, past a wanted poster for Fenrir Greyback, a man that seems to be talking to a brick wall, and by a man with several barking dogs on leashes. They watch as Narcissa opens the door to Borgen and Burks and enters, with her son right behind her. When they see a light go on upstairs, they climb up onto the roof to be able to see into the window, where Draco is inspecting a cabinet. His mother whispers something in his ear, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione have to duck to avoid being seen by Fenrir Greyback, who is standing guard by the window and turns his head to look out. He then steps away and lowers the shade, preventing the trio from being able to see any more. The camera focuses on Harry's face as he grips the rooftop and clearly wonders what that was all about. Yeah, so <laughs> some similar things happen here. Like the gist of it is the same location-esque type things. Yeah, a little bit. People were present that were only mentioned in the book. Yep. What happens in the Weasley's Wizard Wheezes isn't quite the same. Pretty different. But they were in Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. And they did go to Nocturne Alley. And they did go to Nocturne Alley. So this is like the very basic skeletal outline of let's keep the plot the same to move the plot forward like we were saying last week. Just the gist part two. Right? But in the book. We pick up where Fred is taking Harry on that investor's tour. <laughs> uh, yes. I love the fact that they have muggle magic tricks it's, in the store. It's so sweet. I'm really sad that we didn't get to see this in the movie. It's so cute how much they love their dad that they include this part in the store. And I know it's not just for their dad. It's but for muggle freaks like their dad. Like their dad. Which they specifically say. And actually the Weasley's Wizarding Wheezes in Universal has the Muggle Magic tricks. Oh, it does? I didn't yeah, know that. They do. I didn't go back there. They do have some. It's pretty cute. It's at this point that George meets up with them and joins him on the tour as well, also shaking Harry's hand. And they take him to the back room saying, this is where we make the real money. Because they're geniuses. You are definitely, I don't disagree with you, but you are definitely on that hill of them being geniuses. This is my hill to die on. This is where I stand. Fred and George are geniuses and very good at magic. There's just little tiny things here that I love. Like they're walking past people and you're just getting those real moments of them as the owners of this store. like And how well they do it. Yeah. They're just little things like, Fred being like, don't pocket anything or you'll pay in more than galleons. Yeah. And then they get to the back, move aside a curtain. The room is darker. It's less crowded. The packaging is more is, subdued yep. because this is not about being funny. Yeah. Funny and high end. Safe. Yeah. And Legitimately the, safe, unlike the amulets yes. that are for sale. But the twins explain that. They kind of accidentally developed a more serious line and that it's amazing because even people at the ministry, but the sheer number of people that can't do a decent shield charm ended up old DAs. Yeah, but they ended up wanting to sell these as a real thing, even though it started as a joke. 
They made these shield hats with the idea that you wear them and challenge a friend to a duel and then just watch as the jinxes just bounce right off of them. But because so many people can't do a decent shield charm, the ministry ordered 500 of them for their support staff. I mean, that right there is so many galleons. I'm sure of it. And then they ended up using that magic that they developed for these hats into cloaks and gloves and they furthered their whole defense against the dark arts line yeah now they have a whole line and it started from a joke it's really kind of cool the boys are so smart i'm always so disappointed in molly when she's just constantly disappointed in them that they aren't following the norm who cares they are so smart they're so business oriented they know what they're doing and I think she's starting to get that. I do think she is starting to come around. I think this visit to the store probably helped a lot. Oh, yeah. Seeing how much they're doing. Yeah. And how successful they mm-hmm. are, ultimately. And then especially when we get to Christmas, like we mentioned last week. Mm-hmm. They are also importing things. It's not just things they're creating, but they're importing things to sell for others. So they have a whole section of other things like instant darkness powder, which Peruvian. they're getting from Peru. It's Peruvian instant darkness powder. And apparently you just like drop a little, throw a little, however you want to do it. In the movie, they made it look more like. It looked like a rock that a you rock had to like crush thing. Yeah. in your hand, which would be useful because then you would know. It, yeah, I guess. I don't know. But it just causes things to go dark and then you can make a getaway. Mm-hmm. They also have decoy detonators which were like these little horn looking objects they use those in the seventh movie they're so cute yes they're adorable and they'll scurry off and make a really loud noise out of sight to create the diversion and i love that idea they do a quick aside to this in the movie with the boys tossing harry the peruvian instant darkness powder yeah and that's pretty much what you get of that And it's Harry who finds it. It's not the twins who take him to it. Correct. Harry calls it handy. And George actually gives it to him Mm -hmm. then. And some of the decoy. And he tries to pay. He's like, yeah, they're like, your money is Is no good good here. Because it was already good for buying the space. Right. And then at this point, another witch, she's young, she's blonde. She's wearing the same magenta robes as Fred and George. I'm still so mad we didn't get to see those. (laughs) But she peeks her head around the curtain and says, excuse me, Mr. Weasley and Mr. Weasley, there's a customer out there looking for a joke cauldron. And George says, right you are, Verity will be right there. Which was our trivia question. Yes, so I guess her name is Verity. And then before George heads off, he tells Harry, help himself to anything he wants. No charge. His money is no good here. He gave them their startup loan. Mm-hmm. I love that they call it a loan. They're like, we're not going to give you your money back, probably, but literally take anything you want. <laughs> that counts, because then and he doesn't the, have to pay for it. Yeah, the one thing that they ask of him is to tell people where he got it. If yep. they ask, like, be our advertising. Which to I be think fair, is totally the, fair. Yeah, the money wasn't, like, it didn't come out of Harry's vault. No, it didn't. It was the money he won in the Tri-Quad Wizard tournament. He was like, I don't want this. You Blood take money. it. Blood take money. It. I'm glad the twins didn't look at it that way because they were kind of, they were in the same year as Cedric, right? No, they were one They were a year him. behind. But still, it's like when a senior passes away when you're a junior, yeah. it's rough. Well, I think that maybe they did kind of see it that way, but at the same time, they needed money for mm-hmm. their joke shop and... It's time to get it started. Yeah. Let's get it started. Hot. And it can't just sit there and do nothing. At least they can put it to good use. Yes. And the other Weasleys wouldn't have taken it. So. Right. Well, Ron would have. but. <laughs> so George goes off to help the customer with the joke cauldron. And Fred takes Harry back to the main part of the shop. And they meet up with Hermione and Ginny, who are still at those patented daydreams we talked about last week. Fred then... Which I just think this is hilarious. Not hilarious, really. It's kind of scary. But why are they even allowed to make and sell love potions? So Fred says they're the best range of love potions. But 
They work for only up to 24 hours, depending on the weight of the boy, and George joins in to finish the thoughts of and the attractiveness of the girl. The girl in question. So query, can these only be used on boys? Sounds like it. Well, I guess not, because the attractiveness of the girl, well, no, I don't know. This conversation is a bit of a trigger warning because I can't help but point this out. But love potions creep me the fuck out. That seems a very interesting thing. This is a really good example of simpler times. Like when this book was written, this was funny and it wasn't as like. Well, I think that. Now it's really kind of obviously rapey and it's not funny. It's weird. But I will say that because it's a short term love potion. Like like, rupees are short term. I'm just saying, I find love potions to be extremely creepy. What? I was trying to give the boys the benefit of the doubt <laughs> that it's it's short term. You know, when Queenie does it to Jacob, hers is very long term. Like she's well, been I think she keeps flying him with that him. for a long time. I don't think that dark RT love potions last for only 24 hours. I'm sure they last maybe a week. If you're using them for whatever i just think about i what happens with ron later on yeah like what was romilda gonna do to harry right it's super sketch i don't like that yeah no it bothers me that's why i brought it up i'm just like i can't believe this is just something that they sell i mean they have an age limit i'll give them that that's good. You know, under 16 can't buy it. Yay. So over 16s can take people's will away from them. Is a love potion that much different than Imperio? Yes, because Imperio, trigger warning, is more like I'm going to make you jump off a bridge and kill yourself. I mean, I guess you could do that with a love potion, but I wouldn't think that that would be your intent with the love potion. I mean, it's the same, you know, like, oh, it's, it's, it's skirting. Sketchy. I know. It's, I find it. It's and, very Robin Thicke blurred line situation. Yes. And I think we can talk about this more when Ron is actually dosed on accident. Well, yeah, because the one he takes is expired. So it's in which makes it stronger potent. Yeah. And he's horrified. But like I said, we'll talk about this more then. But I find it really surprising that this is something that is even made. And I think, like I was saying, it's just the product of simpler times where back when she was writing these books, this was just kind of like a funny ha-ha, like, oh, love potions, but we're not selling it to our sister. She's already got like five boys on the go. So we will cover this when we get there because we're going to get to Merope and what she does to Tom Riddle Sr. Yeah. And that's definitely not okay. It's sketch. I'm sure because these are, you know, old children books that the use of the love potion is a lot more innocent. I think it's supposed to be more romantic. Yeah. Because for some reason people think love potions are romantic, but when you really get down to it, it's not. Maybe it's not as bad. Like the only one we really get to see is Ron's that's expired. So maybe it's more of a... We get to see Jacob when he's under Queenie and he is so... I meant in the books, but yeah. He's so upset because he already is in love with her. Right. She uses it to get him past his concerns about marrying her since it's illegal. She uses it to drug him because he's loopy as hell. And then... Newt takes it off of him and he's so upset because he's she took his will away yeah and then he accidentally thinks that you're crazy and she gets upset and that's what drives her to go to Grindelwald right spoilers I'm sorry but that's what happens (laughs) and that's not fair no it's not it's not right it is taking somebody's will away and that's not what you do the only thing I can give in Queenie's defense is the fact that she was over the top in love with they were over she at the knew, top in love with each like, other. they loved each other they wanted to be together he just didn't want to put her in danger because yeah. marrying a muggle wasn't okay in the u.s in, in the, the uk US. and so she was just trying to get him past that and i think went overboard with it yeah so i feel like that's not that doesn't make what she did okay but i think she still did it for 
more honorable reasons. I think that's them pointing out the flaws with love potions, too. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. But yes, Ron is the only one that we get to see in the books And it's expired. So maybe it's not that bad. But the boys selling it, I think, is... It should be 17, because that's adult. It's or maybe like, not selling them Or not all. selling them at all. <laughs> it's like buying an aphrodisiac, I feel like. You know, like if you're a girl dating a boy and you're like, you want to vamp it up. Go get or, some champagne and strawberries. Or, you know, Spanish fly or, you know, get to see. I feel like it's like intended for that. I could maybe? see it being something that a couple takes together. To just like intensify enhance, their stuff. Enhance. That'd be cool. Yeah. But it it like the idea of putting it in chocolates and trying to trick somebody into eating it is so fucked up. And Romilda's 14. So fucked up. Please, oh, she's fourteen. She shouldn't have been able to buy it. Beesh, Somebody else doing? could have bought it for yeah, her. You know, love potion roofie. Yikes. Yeah, all of that information though is quickly overviewed in the movie. Yeah. It just poof, and then it's gone. It's just Hermione and Ginny looking at them, and then Cormac McLaggen just giving her that. Oh, you've got a love potion. I'll show you my love potion. Type. If he wasn't such a douche. He's so cute. He is. The actor is very cute, but he is just, eesh. and that, that like grin, it was just so like, ew, like you are He's... giving her that look because she's looking at love potions and you think that you can get her to give it to you so you can give it to her. <laughs> Emma Watson in the movie, one of her lines is, He's got more tentacles than a snuff plant. <laughs> and this is very 16. Like, all of this stuff that happens in this movie, like, with her flirting with Cormac and Ron getting with Lavender and all that stuff. Lab, lab. All of this stuff is very 16, and it's shit that you find out when you're 16. Yeah. Like, not all boys are kind. True. It's true. Not all boys are Victor Crumb. They're not going to be so sweet to you and take their time with you, and they're not going to hope that you're happy with their choices. Like, I don't think Cormac McLaggen cares about that. Oh, no, not even a little bit. He's very Gryffindor. Very, he's very Gryffindor. In the worst sense of being a Gryffindor. Yes. I think with the worst qualities of a Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. None of those redeeming qualities that Harry has. Harry has that empathy and that kindness that comes with being a Gryffindor. He has the recklessness as well, but he he's... but he has things that stop that recklessness, like his conscience yeah. and stuff like that. And it seems like Cormac doesn't have yeah. that. And honestly, the bulk of his bravery and his recklessness, <laughs> it is stupidity, but it also comes from wanting to help people. Yes. Like when it comes to helping people, there is absolutely nothing in the world that will scare him. I'm going to trigger warning this too, because Cormac McLaggen gives me Brock Turner vibes. Oh my God, yes. He looks like him. Sorry, actor, you look like Brock Turner. So the problem that I'm going to point out here is he is a very privileged white male. So he thinks that he can get Hermione to sleep with him because I'm a rich bitch, pure blood, white boy who obviously you're attracted to because why wouldn't you be? With that swagger. But yeah, so... But that will bring us into more... Problematic. With the boys saying that Jenny has about five boys on the go. Also kind of problematic. Also kind of problematic, but she's like, where did you hear that lie, Big Fat Ron? <laughs> she tries to deflect a little bit, too, and she picks up this little pink pot. It's like, what's this? Apparently, it's a 10-second pimple vanisher. I need this, by the way. Oh, my God. That'd 10 seconds? so Just handy. put it on gone. Top. You know who else needs it? Eloise Midgen. It was sweet Eloise. I bet she, what did Hermione say? She looks a lot better now that Madame Pomfrey has her on some regimen or something. She's got her on a regimen. She fixed her nose back on. Yeah. And then who's the girl? Marietta. Marietta could probably use some too. I wonder if that would work on that. I bet it would because the boys are smart. Yup. So you say. No, I agree with you. <laughs> Fred is not falling for the subject change and was like, are you or are you not currently going out with a boy called Dean Thomas? And you mean I love... that tall drink of dark, Ugh. handsome bully? Ginny, sassy Ginny comes out here. It's shit like this that really shows I wish this had been in the she's movie. a good match for Harry. 
Because she's like, yeah, I am. And the last I checked, he's definitely one boy and not five. What are you checking, Jenny? I'm concerned. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tentacle dick. <laughs> Anywho. Fooling around at Hogwarts. She makes another effort at distraction and acknowledges these pink and purple balls of fluff. Eee! They're pygmy puffs. They're pygmy puffs. They're miniature puff skeins. And if you have played Hogwarts Legacy, oh my god, the puff skeins are so freaking cute. They are, but they're like cat colored in the game. They're not pink and purple. There are pink and purple ones. Are there? I haven't come across them yet. They're I so have, cute. I have pink and purple ones. So I'm going to point this out as well. Fred and George specifically say they can't breed them fast enough. They're breeding puff skeins. They're breeding puff skeins. Making love and potions. And making them miniature. And making them small, yes. They are breeding miniature puff skeins. I assume some sort of something went into that, and they got the small ones, and then they now are breeding the miniature ones. But anyway, back on topic. <laughs> George asks her about Michael Corner, the dude she was dating the year before. He's a sore loser. Exactly what Jenny says. He was a bad loser. She's like, I'm not dealing with that shit. I dumped him. And then... The pygmy puffs are so cute because she's still trying. Me too. Fred's like, yes, they are fairly cuddly, but you're going through <laughs> boyfriends a bit fast, aren't okay. you? Weasley boys, stop slut shaming your sister. One, we had this conversation before we started uh -huh. this. She dated Michael Corner and then she dated Dean Thomas. That is two boys. She's 15. Let her be. And popular. And popular and pretty and smart and funny. Let her be. She's trying to figure out who works with what. Because she can't have Harry right now, apparently. Exactly. She knows she likes Harry. She knows they would probably be a good match. But she's going to date other people. I do think, yes, it is definitely coming across slut shamey, And I don't and like I that. And I know that she's their baby sister. That's and what I, I was know... going to say. That that's like a, they're doing the protective big brother thing, but also but also if you're a big brother, please don't go around and slut shame your sister. None your business. It's none your business. Which is just like your sex life says. is none of her business. And they basically share Angelina. So I bet it, dude. If that is what it was. They were a thruple. And then literally just... though, because Fred takes her to. The I know. ball, and, and then, then George marries her. Well, they had a connection. They lost somebody very important. They're a throuple, though. They're, I, they're I probably agree. a throuple. I, I don't think the Weasley twins would do anything without the others. So anybody they're going to be with, they're just going to be a throuple. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my head cannon. They're, they're <laughs> a throuple, and then they just get married, so they can just you know whatever. On the plus side, she gets a very effective distraction now when Ron walks up holding an armful of merchandise just everything that he can possibly carry he probably looks like me at target when i go in thinking i just i need, don't need like, a basket one thing. <laughs> and then it's target so just armful god damn it i gotta get a basket maybe Same. i should get a cart but she does angrily tell him not to tell tales about her to the twins i so hate that we don't get any of the jenny relationships though in the movies we don't see pretty popular, funny Jenny. Not that Bonnie Wright isn't like pretty and smart and funny and stuff like she that. She could have done so well with Jenny if they gave her actual Jenny. I yeah, I really hate that I have to I feel like I have to repeat that Jenny's not done well in the movies, but Jenny is so I mean, done we've a disservice been saying in the movies. This so much from the beginning. Even from the beginning, even in the first movie, she's like supposed to be this cute little crazy ten year old girl. And she's like, good luck. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, and Ginny is Katie's favorite character, specifically book Ginny. So this is not something yes, new. This is not anything new, but it's just, I feel like. But now we're getting into the movie where they do her the biggest disservice, and it's so awkward. But like I said, this is finally the distraction that Ginny was hoping for because Fred sees everything that Ron's holding. It's like, all right, that's three galleons, nine sickles, and a nut. Or a cannot. That's not much. Honestly. It's less than they said in the movie. I think when Mrs. Weasley goes to their vault with Harry and she pulls out some money, they only have a few galleons. And somebody said that it was the equivalent of like $45. Like out of their big ass vault, they had 45 I, You know what? I know the feels. Yeah. <laughs> but 
that's probably like $45, roughly. Which isn't that bad for if he had an armful of stuff. I mean, I definitely spent more than that at Target. Same, same. Ron tries to say that, but I'm your brother. And so they say, well, in the book, they actually knock off the nut. The canut. I say canut. I so normally you guys will hear say Canut too because when our trivia team name was these Canuts, yep, we needed to specify that it was spelt with the K. Mm-hmm. But usually the K N is silent, so it probably is actually supposed to be nuts. I like saying Canut. So, though. yeah, Canut. I can. I go back and forth. So they definitely like paid tribute to this in the movie. I don't but- have money for this. <laughs> In the movie, though, they had a tendency to make the twins' shenanigans a little more assholishness. And less cute brother. Yeah. Yeah. Because in this, they actually knocked off the nut for him. Or the canut. (laughs) In the movie, they doubled the price. I love this part, though, when Ron drops it and he swears and then he makes a, quote, rude hand gesture. And I was, I remember listening to this and I was like, what did he do? And then... Mrs. Weasley says she'll jinx his fingers together. And I was like, oh, he flicked him off. Got yep, it. Yep, Got it. Yep. This is when Jenny is like, can I have a pygmy puff? Yeah. So I wonder if they gave it to her for free. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I was thinking they did. I am absolutely going to say, especially after that rude hand gesture, they were like, yeah, here's your pygmy puff. But it is also entirely possible because as much as I love Mama Weasley, it is entirely possible she bought her daughter a pygmy puff. Yeah. I mean, maybe she paid for it. I don't know. Because she gets Arnold. She gets Arnold. They go to look at those pygmy puffs. Jenny takes her mom over to look at him. I feel like that's an easy sell. When I was in seventh grade, my parents switched me from public schools to Catholic schools, and I was just traumatized at the idea of having to wear a uniform. And I started sobbing at a Chinese restaurant. And to get me to (laughs) shut up, my dad told me that he'd get me another cat. Love it. And it was a whole year before I actually did get that second cat. But I got it. (laughs) My mom kept trying to put it off. I was playing volleyball in middle school. And our game was right next to an animal shelter. I love it. And I was like, Mom, can we just stop in and look at Mm -hmm. the kitties after the volleyball game? And... She let me go and look at the kitties. And the next thing you know, we were coming home with Gracie. So that's exactly what Jenny did here. Mm-hmm. She was like, come look at these pygmy puffs. And then Mrs. Wheezy also was just like, oh, they're so sweet. And then they got it. <laughs> look at what up. my boys did. Yep. So while they're doing that, this actually gives the Golden Trio a view out the window. Like, amazingly, the crowd has parted enough that they can see the street. And out on that street, by himself, somehow having managed to ditch Mommy is Nazi von Dushbeck the second. Meanwhile, in the movie, they're just off by themselves, walking free, be out and everywhere in scary-ass Diagon Alley. No worried Mrs. Weasley to keep them from going to Nocturne Alley and following Draco and Mummy. So, also, no Hagrid, which was very disappointing. It's not how it happened in the book. It never is. Now, because they're all Gryffindors and super curious to a fault, Mm Mm-hmm. It's time to meddle. They want to know where he's going without his mummy. And after checking to make sure everybody is thoroughly distracted, Harry pulls his invisibility cloak out and just throws it over all of them. Although Hermione is the usual voice of reason and kind of hesitates, but still Gryffindor still goes for it. And they get under the cloak and managed to weave through the crowd and get out the door and head in the same direction that they saw von douchebag the second rolling off with mummy yep well he was alone in the book but still yeah he was alone in the book they still had him with her in the movie because that was the first time they had shown him in the movie yeah they didn't so they had to do the aside madame malkin scene because who would want to play that poor distressed woman (laughs) it's just weird to me that in the movie they went and were wandering around the destroyed Ollivander's <laughs> shop. Walking. You're like, like uh... did the Death Eaters go and like collect up all the wands? Because if you could just go walk into it, 
You could just like start trying to find a wand. In the movie, you can still see the wands on the shelves. So Yeah, I don't know. It was just weird the way they decided to do it. I did not like this. It was supposed to be like, looked untouched it looked like a bomb went off in the shop oh, in the movie because they basically set a magical bomb off in the movie that's true this does actually kind of line up here because in both they see him heading into nocturne alley mm-hmm. though we don't know what it is in the movie because they don't point it out yet yeah but we already know about nocturne alley so i feel like you could correct read yeah. between the lines and figure that out once the dude's talking to the wall you're like yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's what's happening. Okay, Nocturne Alley is essentially completely deserted in the books. There's a few more people because nobody in the movie. wants to be seen buying dark stuff. No, and that's I think I don't know if it's Hermione. It's your mail that says service. That. It's like yeah, that's definitely a, owl an owl service. order. Amazon Prime, your mm-hmm. dark arts shit. They see him go into Borgen and Burks. But they can't really tell what's going on because he's kind of blocked by a large black cabinet. You mean the large black cabinet that Harry hid in? Yeah. And they do specifically (laughs) point out, they draw attention to this cabinet in the book because it is actually significant, even though at this point we don't know that. They're like shoving it in our face that the cabinet is important, Mm -hmm. but making it seem like it's an aside. I always like things like that in books. Well, if they had put it in the second one where Nick had told Peeves to drop the very large vanishing cabinet, Mm -hmm. then we would know a little bit more. And Fred and George forcing what's-his-face into it, and that's why Draco knew that it connected to the shop. Yeah, they skip a lot of stuff that's important. So this is the first time that we even sort of see the cabinet mm-hmm. in the movie. And Besides we do the see scene. it in the movie, but it's far more obvious that this is what Malfoy's looking at in the movie. Yeah, in the book they're like, uh... He's kind of blocked by this cabinet. He's talking what they describe as animatedly to Mr. Borgen, and Mr. Borgen's face is kind of a of mixed fear and resentment. <laughs> Sounds about right. That is not what came through in the movie. No. Because it felt like they were setting up something differently in the movie. Yeah, definitely. Hermione says she wishes they could hear what he's saying and Ron's like, "Wait a second, I just stole a bunch of Weezes products and I've got some extendable ears." Hey, turd bomb. So they literally, you know, stick the strings under the door and spy on this conversation. And they hear VD2 asking Borgen if he knows how to fix it. Yeah, too bad this extendable ear thing didn't happen in the movie because it's just like Harry's thinking that this is where he's becoming a Death Eater. And yeah, he mentioned that. Why would that they do the it in Borgen and Burke, you dum dum? We'll definitely talk more about that there. But the entire thing about it, where they have him climb up on a fucking roof to be able Hermione to. Hermione Jean the Granger would never do that. No, no. Everything about this scene was stupid. I'm going to say it. This scene was stupid. In the movie. In the movie. Because <laughs> it was. It was really dumb. Finrear Grayback was there. Which, I mean, I guess that at least pays tribute to the fact that he was mentioned in the book. Because Malfoy is asking Borgen about if he can fix it. We don't know what it is, but can he fix it? Borgen's like, it's possible, but can you bring it into the shop so How I can see it? I look walking down the street with that? <laughs> Well, that's when he's asking yeah. he wants to leave with it. But yeah, Malfoy's like, no, it has to stay where it is. You need to just tell me how to do it. And he's just like, I can't make guarantees on anything without seeing it. And at this point, this is the one thing that like Harry is pretty intuitive when he's paying attention. Mm. I think his lack of Ravenclawishness is often the fact that he's fucking oblivious. <laughs> I, me too. <laughs> But he was paying attention here, and he sees BD2 move towards Borgen and say, perhaps this will make you more confident. And they can't see what's going on still because of the cabinet. All they can see is Borgen's face, and he looks scared. <laughs> then Malfoy says if he tells anyone, Fenrir Greyback will be dropping in from time to time to make sure he's giving the problem his full attention. 
So the movie references the fact that he mentions Greyback by having him actually be present. Mm -hmm. Which, I, I mean, it worked because we didn't have the extendable ears to see what they were saying. So we just got visuals through the window because that's all Harry, Ron, and Hermione could see. But I didn't like it. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like, like it. it. It was dumb. I didn't like it. I also just, in general, don't like seeing Fenrir gray back because he's gross. Ooh, he's fucking creepy. He's like love potion personified. BD2 then says he's got to be going. Tells Borgen to keep that one safe because he'll need it. And then, like you said, Borgen tries to give it to him. And Malfoy's like, stupid little man. How am I going to look carrying that down the street? Just tells him not to sell it and not to say anything, especially to his mother. And... Well, she's there with you. Wait, no, she's not. <laughs> not how it happened in the book, but it is how it happened in the movie. What I think is interesting here, again, Harry is being very observant because Borgen bows at him and agrees. Like, he is letting a 16-year-old child bully him. Borgen's also a spineless little jellyfish. He is definitely kind of oily. And I think that Harry recognizes that, especially with the way he reacted when Lucius was in there, when Harry was 12. You know, he was watching them through the thing, through the vanishing cabinet. And, you know, Borgen was really slippery, slimy snake. He took some money off the top of the money he was giving Lucius for the whatever he brought for him he took some money off the top and put it back in his pocket and he was like smiling and being very agreeable while lucius was there but then when he left he was like right he only lives to serve people who help him out yeah definitely so i think harry probably recognizes that too and is probably like blah, blah. but naturally after Malfoy makes his way out of the store past the invisible trio. The first thing that these meddlers want to know is what that was all about. I hate this part so much. It's so cringy. It really is. So as Harry and Ron start discussing what they saw, what they overheard, Hermione's like, wait here, and fucking goes into the store. Like, this is right here, the evidence that I think Hermione does not belong in Ravenclaw. Book smarts does not actually make you clever. This is the only point in the entire series, I think, that Hermione makes a rash decision and it really does not go in her favor. This is the most Gryffindor thing she has ever done. She fixes her hair in the window. She's like, <laughs> and she walks right in like a big dum-dum. She starts off asking him if this necklace is for sale. And Borgen's like, yeah, if you have one and a half thousand galleons. I don't have quite that much. I don't have quite that much. How about this lovely er skull? Skull. <laughs> like, girl, girl, you are bad at this. She never said improv was her strong suit. No. He says that one is 16 galleons. So she's like, so it's not being kept for anyone i like that harry's like i think she's being a bit stupid like that's like what it says in the book like harry's thinking she's being a bit obvious because she is being she's a bit being obvious. very obvious and then bit. she like throws caution to the wind and is like draco malfoy's my friend and i want to buy him a birthday gift fuck off what but i don't want to get him the same thing if he's already reserved something are you kidding me right now what? No, you're. That's what not believing Harry that Draco is a Death Eater. That's what that gets her because she doesn't believe that he that Borgen is actually scared because she doesn't think Draco's a Death Eater. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't think every time I read somewhere where somebody says so that Hermione should be in Ravenclaw, Harry should be in Slytherin, and Ron should be in Hufflepuff, I'm just like no to all of the above. I don't want Ron in my house. Ron's not a Hufflepuff. I don't, like what? Because he likes food? Like that's, yes, sure. Hufflepuffs can definitely like food. He's but not Ron is the most not, loyal. He's not. Just because he always comes back, and that is acknowledged, a person who is truly loyal would never leave to begin with. We don't. We don't go anywhere. We just stay. Like he is not Hufflepuff. Hermione 
yes, she is incredibly book smart. But if it is not in a book, yeah, the book that's why she couldn't do divination do it, or, she or won't flying. do it. She's not good at it if it's not something she can memorize. Well, not necessarily memorize, but learn, learn from yeah. a book. Like if you can write it down and she can read it and she can figure out from that, like she'd be really good at like chemistry. She's super smart, but smart is not the same thing as clever. Or being able to fly a broom. There is that. <laughs> Different kind of smarts. Yep. And this, this right here, absolute evidence that Hermione is not just not Ravenclaw. a Ravenclaw. And then with Harry, obviously the whole hat wanting to put him in Slytherin was because of Voldemort's soul, but Harry is never out for himself. There is never a moment where Harry's ambition is what is ruling. He's not ambitious. Like maybe he gets a little bit ambitious when he decides he wants to be an Auror, but he does not get the grade he needs in potion and just completely accepts it. But I think if he had been placed into Slytherin, that particular piece of him would have grown a lot. It's a good thing he didn't want to be in Slytherin. <laughs> Could have been interesting to see that. That'd be a fun fan fiction. How would the story be different? Yeah. But anyway, Hermione's absolute anti-Ravenclaw moment here <laughs> ends in Borgen telling her to get the fuck out of his store, which she at least has the smarts to leave. Yeah. And then he slams the door behind her, cl- puts up the close sign, like locks the fucking door. Get out. I'm not. And Ron gets her back under the cloak and was like, well, I guess you it was a worth a try. But you were a bit obvious. Hermione is like, oh, well, next time you show me how it's done. And then the two spend the entire time bickering back to Weasley's Wizarding Wheezes. Meanwhile, Harry's like, God, guys. Right. Can, oh, man. Can you just imagine feeling like that third wheel all the time? No, no wonder he and Ginny started to get closer during that holiday. Oh, yeah. So thank God they had that invisibility cloak because they managed to, in their invisible form, dart around Mrs. Weasley and Hagrid so that they're, like, in the shop proper before they take the cloak back off. And they're just like, what do you mean you couldn't find us? We were always in the back room. You must not have looked properly. Why didn't they say something like, we had to go to the bathroom or something like that would make a lot more sense. Like not that they would go together, but you know, like there's probably a men's room and a women's room and just be like, Oh, well we decided to collectively go to the bathroom together to be safer. Like there's a lot better excuses that they could have used, but you know, none of this happens in the movie. Of course, we just have a weird moment of them looking on the rooftop, right? Looking through an upper window to the catwalk in Borgen and Burks. I hate it so much. And Draco doing something, which next week we'll find out Daniel Radcliffe Harry thinks that it's a swearing-in ceremony for Draco. Yeah, we'll talk more about that then too because I hate that also. That is, yeah, dumb. When it comes to actors, obviously we get some great shots with James and Oliver Phelps as the Weasley twins. For the first time in the movie, we get lavender. We get some lav lab, but we're going to get so much more lavender that I yeah. definitely want to talk more about her. Yeah, Cormac. We'll get some better shots with them. Again. We don't even know who Cormac is at this point. Right. We don't know his actual name in the geek series yet. Correct. Just his appearance. So everybody that was present in this, aside from the twins, we get a lot more of later on. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about them then. But I think that James and Oliver Phelps just are Fred and George Weasley. They're so sweet. Both of them are so cute. They just are. They they imbue it. I love in the interviews when they ask them if they're twins for real. No, we met at like, the... We actually met at the casting call. I love that so much. <laughs> we it's met so at funny. the audition. Yeah, no, they're absolutely just... They are Fred and George. There are part... There is something where they were like, how does your mom tell you guys apart? And I think it was James was like, oh, Oliver has a mole. So Oliver has like a mole on the side of his face and James doesn't or something like that. Now I want to look at pictures of them both. But that is pretty much that for that. Mm -hmm. We've reached the end of the chapter. We cut off the movie section to line up as much as possible. Well, (laughs) actor wise, it was so 
condensed. Everybody was so brief. Yeah. We'll go that over when we get more. We'll talk more about it later. And we can just move on into our Potter pondering. Now, obviously, if you guys, especially with the nature of the topic, if you want to make a comment and send it in along with the pondering about your views on love potions or anything like that at all, please comment on it. But what we really want the pondering to be is do you agree with Carly that Fred and George are geniuses? We just think that's more of a pleasant topic. But please share any of the above and let us know. Are Fred and George geniuses? Yes. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. We don't have a sorting hat story this week. However, we are always accepting them. Always. But we do have a wizarding word. This week's wizarding word is about a really cute thing that we found about grand prize winners for the Scholastics Welcome to Hogwarts contest. So basically... Scholastic sent out a question to schools all over the country and they asked the question, if you were at Hogwarts, what class would you take? There are three grand prize winners and they are all so sweet. Lev is a 10-year-old. He said that he wanted to take Professor Flitwick's class because he's a little person and he has never had a teacher that had dwarfism as well. And he thought Professor Flitwick was such a good teacher, which is so sweet. And all there's a lot more to it. You can go read it. It's super sweet. He is so He's adorable. Cute too. He's posing with a baseball in his little picture. A signed baseball. A signed baseball. I don't know who it's signed by, but he's super cute. The second grand prize winner is Medha, a 13-year-old. She is very well-spoken and she talks about how important it is to learn from your past so she would like to take history of magic i think i agree with that because i think a lot of wizards don't have a lot of good respect for like goblins and trolls and giants she's so cute too like this she is, is like beauty sweet. and brains she is a wise 13 year old she's super cute and then the final grand prize winner is Rowan who is nine and he's wearing little Hogwarts robes in his picture with his wand and he says he wants to take Herbology so he can take care of mandrakes and learn how to harvest puffapods. He wants to take gillyweed so he can breathe underwater and win the Triwizard Tournament. Dittany to heal people and then he could use Wolfsbane to help werewolves like Remus Lupin. And make sure the Whomping Willow is safe. I didn't see that. That's so sweet. And he really wants Neville Longbottom to be his teacher and show him his Mimbulus Mimbletonia plant. So that's adorable. He ends it with Beware the Venomous Tentacula. He is very oh my cute. God. All three of these were so cute. They had 25 first prize winners, which I don't There's grand prize winners and then there's first place winners. So you can see the full list on Scholastic's websites. It's very sweet. It's very cute. I didn't know anything about it. We were talking about how we're both teachers and we didn't know anything about this competition. So I would love it to happen again so we can share it and maybe new kids will come. But this was something in celebration of 25 years of Harry Potter. So, And in honor of this, we're going to post the link for it. And on that link, I also want you all to go ahead and answer it. Oh, yeah. In the comments, too, because it's so fun. Like, what class would you take at Hogwarts what and What class why? would you take at Hogwarts, Ellen? I think that I would want to take Transfiguration or Potions. It'd be tough to decide. I think it'd be so cool to change things. Care of Magical Creatures would be awesome, too. Oh, I can't decide. I want to take them all. But I'm, I'm going to go with Potions because I love cooking. I love baking. I think it'd be really neat to be able to brew stuff. So I compared potions to cooking and somebody was like, oh, man, you're right. And I was like, no, it's literally cooking. What are you talking about? <laughs> but you know me, I'm going to take care of magical creatures because actually when I took the sorting hat quiz and it asks you what job you would take, 
Professor is on there, but I picked a magizoologist. I really like Newt's commander, so I think care of magical creatures would really be yeah. my be my vibe. Yeah, so. I think final answers is potions for me. Can you bake potions? Because you'd be good at that. <laughs> my potions would be so pretty. <laughs> That'll bring us to this week's trivia question, which is kind of a two-parter. What color does Fleur say will look horrible with Ginny's hair? And what color is she thinking of putting her and Gabrielle in? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag wedding woes will get a sticker. I guess it would be correct answers. Correct answers. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, then you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Make sure to email us at foxsakepod at gmail.com and let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to become a patron, you can find us on Patreon at Fox Sake Pod. Patronage starts at $2 and will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to our Discord channel, chats, and more check out our page for the details. Any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 7, the Slug Club, and the sort of, not really sort of, corresponding film scenes. Yeah, you know. Thanks for listening. Hope you hear us again. I'm Carly. I'm Ellen. And we are For Fox Fox Sake. Sake.